did you guys notice on the screen when somebody's getting baptized, uh, and there's, I've asked Joe many times uh, what he says, and he's, he's talking to them about the Lord's love for them. He's asking them about their faith in him. They're really sweet conversations, but my favorite part is the look on the person's face. And there's just this like joy, and that look is what you're going to see on one guy today in the passage of Scripture. Um, and he, it's easy to overlook him because Peter's going to be talking to a lot of other people. But I want you to think about him. And it's the man that we talked about a few weeks ago that got healed, who had been a beggar and unable to walk and, and had been that his, pretty much his whole life had just been laying there in front of the temple. And so I want you to think about him. But I also want you to be thinking about whether or not the Lord might be asking something of you. So I'm going to give you an opportunity um, at the end and to walk back to that corner and to talk to somebody to say, yeah, today is the day. Today is the day I'm going to make a profession. Uh, I know we already had a couple people say, can I do it afterwards? We're like, yep, you can. Um, but we'll trust God with that. But I want you to think about the look on the face. And I want you to think about this guy um, and what Jesus has done for him. So that you can think, what has he done for me? Um, it's possible to follow a Jesus of your own choosing. I don't know if you knew that. You, could, you can create a Jesus that suits your life. Millions of people do that all the time. They decide, I like this about him. I don't like this so much about him. I'll take the loving, kind, wise sage who tells me good things, the judgmental, it's going to punish me if I don't do something. Yeah, I don't know if I want him. I'll take the one who supports my views of society and culture and politics and all that. I won't take the one who won't. What is your version, the one you follow? Is he the one that is risen from the dead? King of kings who has purchased your life, whom you have surrendered to and who runs, listen to this, every aspect of your thoughts and actions. Is that the one you're following? So in today's story, in addition to the guy and the look on his face that you're going to read about in a second, we're going to read about in a second, you also have a bunch of people who are trying to figure out Jesus. And they're trying to shape him into an image that will work for their worldview. It's not how it's supposed to work, but it is what we usually try to do. Somebody tells us something new and we're like, I don't know about this. Let me see if it'll fit in this tiny little box I have for religious things. Because the rest of me is just doing life. And so, yeah, I'll see if I can. So you're going to watch people do that. Uh, context again, famous beggar, his whole life laying at the temple steps. He has been healed. He has brought, been brought into the temple for the first time. He wasn't allowed, wasn't allowed to go in there. And he is going to be the image you have right here at the beginning of Acts chapter 3, verse 11. It's going to be on the screen. If you have a Bible or on your phone, you can follow along. You can just listen too. You can close your eyes and listen. Just don't keep them closed. Or I may like, I used to have a teacher in history class. If you fell asleep, because history class, it was so awful. Everybody would eventually, you know, you do that thing where then you get the red mark on your head in class. One time he came up next to me and he's like, boo. And I was like, 
So I could do that to you if you keep your eyes closed. But if you just want to listen, Acts 3.11, listen and watch for this guy. Here we go. While he, this is our guy, clung to Peter and John. And I just want you to, he's, he's like, I, I don't know, I don't know what just happened. Something really, something amazing happened. And so I think I'll just stay here. I'll just stay, can I just stay with you guys? Can I just stay with you guys? He clung to Peter and John. Other people are utterly astounded at what just happened. That guy's been laying there for 40 years. Now he's walking around. So they're like, well, let's go over and see what's, no, they ran. They ran. Everybody's flocking and running together to them in this very specific place around the Temple Mount called the portico, Solomon's portico. We'll talk about that in a minute. When Peter saw it, what he saw was an opportunity. God was using this guy's public profession and witness to affect other people. Get it? A public witness to affect other people. Peter saw it and he's like, Yep, yep, I'm, I'm tracking, I'm tracking, Lord. I got it. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? This guy who's clinging, could you just let me go for a second? This guy who's clinging to me, why do you stare at us? As though by our own power or piety, which is just a, another word for religious fervor and devotion, as if that made him walk, are you kidding me? Why are you looking at us? So the man standing there, can you see him? Can you see him clinging to them? Because he's still standing today through the power of God's word, which is eternal, which is applicable to our lives. He's standing right now. He's standing in front of you saying, can you see me? Yes, he changed my life. He transformed me. It's like our brave people who just stepped into the baptismal. Can you see us? Can you see what we're doing? outside expression of an inside transformation. That's the picture. Listen, maybe the Lord will have you respond in the same way, but let's talk about him for a minute. He's clinging. People are utterly astounded. They're standing in Solomon's portico. What is Solomon's portico? So there's some models of the temple. It was this huge outside area with these massive columns and the Jews used to go there, religious leaders, and they would talk about deep theological, hmm, yes. No, I think it's this. We are so, we are so proud of how smart we are. We know a lot of Bible stuff. We know a lot of theology. So it was, and this is crazy part, Solomon's temple is gone. It was destroyed. Anybody know why it was destroyed? Babylon judgment. They're not following God. God warns them, warns them, warns them. Babylon comes in and just, and apparently it was a magnificent structure. People would come from other countries just to see it. It's gone. Guess what's left? Portico. And you know what I think the Lord is saying about the portico right here? Portico, schmortico. <laughs> it's an old relic. It's a religious thing. They're hanging on to it. And yet we got this brand new guy who's been made whole. Scholars would say he has been saved by Jesus. He's standing there clinging to two ex-fishermen. And they are saying, we want to tell you what's happening here as we stand in your old, very precious, very important portico. Okay, that's why... Luke is saying, yeah, look at the portico because it's important. Because remember the last couple of weeks ago, if you were here, we talked about God was trying to say something about the temple, 
about the temple system. So here they are hanging on, clinging on to Solomon's portico. And yet God is trying to say something different. So people are watching. They're astounded. They're running. It's a big fuss. There's no running in church, but they're doing it. They want to know what's happening. What is happening? So this is God's way of drawing people in. He uses public witness to cause us to pay attention. Maybe you know Christ today. Let me just do this. How many in this room that know Jesus know him because you saw him in someone else? Absolutely. God uses public witness people to say, yeah, that's why, that's why I decided to actually be interested. And, and so that's what's happening. People are doing that. But just because you're paying attention doesn't mean that you're actually putting all the pieces together, which is why Peter says, hey, hold on a second. Verse 12, why are you staring at us? Why are you staring at us? As though we did this. You think we did this? No, no way. Do we do this in life? We look at somebody, and let's just say it's not even a religious thing. We look at them and we're like, whoa, they got like, they're fit. That guy's super cut. <clears throat> hey, man. It's Chad, how's it going? Nice. Yeah. Hey, um, what, what, what you, where do you work out? How do you do that? Or somebody looks very successful. They drive up in a nice car and you haven't seen them for a long time. You're like, man. What's, what's your secret? What's the, how, they think this is a life hack. The people are watching Peter and John and they're like, what are you guys doing? How did you do, how did you do this? We want to know, we want to know what the secret is. The reason we do this, I was reading an article, an author named Samuel James, and he says, it's because we live in a trade-in society where everything is replaceable. Everything can be reproduced or traded in for a new and improved model. Who has given way to the new phone thing at some point in your life? My phone is just bad. It's old. It doesn't know how to think anymore. I got to get the one with three cameras. I got to get the one that's as big as my head, not the small one. We live in a trade-in society. Everything can be reproduced, traded in for a new improved model. And he says, and that applies to coaches, Churches, spouses, ooh, and Jesus's. If you don't have the right one, just get another one. And the why is because we have this spiritual thirst, this hunger and desire. Like the woman at the well, we rifle through life. We're looking for the next thing that will fill the gaping cavern in our heart. We see everything and everyone around us as replaceable because we're desperate to find the one thing that will never disappoint us. Peter is like, I know what you're thinking. Why are you looking at us? Ultimately, Unity says, he says stop staring. Stop staring. I want you to look at this uh, picture or this statue. Does anybody know this guy? Look like it's from Rome, maybe? So I first saw it, I was like, oh, is that Caesar? What is that? And I clicked on the information for the picture. This is in the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York. And it is, drum roll, a Roman athlete. Oh, which Roman athlete? I don't know. This was their marketing. We do t-shirts. We do shoes. 
We do food and drinks and whatever, like new something. Like you can buy shoes and all these things that this is so-and-so's, you know, Jordans. I mean, Air Jordans. Like I was in high school when the guy came into school with the over $100 pair of high tops. And everybody's like, can you dunk now? You know, like you're totally thinking. This was their marketing. People would walk through a little Roman square and be like, dude, that's so-and-so. Did you see him in the games last week? He's amazing. Does anybody know him now? Did his life finish and nobody cares about the things he did? This is, it's a basic way of saying, Peter is saying, quit looking at us and yourself or others or life hacks or philosophies of life or Instagram, which you scroll endlessly because that person really looks like they've got themselves put together. It's just a facade hidden behind zeros and ones. But we still feel it, don't we? We feel it. Searching. Peter says, don't look at us. Do you want to be done with the trade-in thing? Do you want to be done with the trade-in thing for good? You want to trade in one last time and finally get what you need, what you're looking for? Verse 13, he starts to answer those questions. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant, Jesus. Now at this point, the people listening are Jewish religious people. They didn't just hear that and go, oh, that sounds interesting. They are already going like this. Nuh-uh, no, he died. You can't say that. No, he glorified his servant, Jesus. And Peter says, and I got some other news for you. You delivered him. You denied him in the presence of Pilate who had actually decided to let him go. You denied, and when he said this, this phrase, they would have known this phrase, the holy and righteous one. Don't you even go there saying that Jesus was God. And you asked for a murderer instead. Who's the murderer? Anybody know? Barabbas. We're going to talk about him in a minute. Yeah, we want Barabbas. And you killed the author of life. Wow. That's like a melee. That's an off, that's a horrendous thing to think. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And it's to this that we are witnesses and his name, Jesus, by faith in his name, that's what has made this man strong. There's no life hack going on here. You see him, you know him. This is what has happened. The faith that is through Jesus has given this man this perfect health in the presence of you all. First thing he tells them when he says, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, this isn't new. This is our God that we've been worshiping. But I wanted to tell you that you're missing it because the same Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob God that walked with you in the wilderness, that taught us all those years, that brought us back from captivity, he was just here and you killed him. They're shaking their heads. They disagree. We like to connect lines around here. And one of the things I encourage you to do when you look at the whole Bible, Old and New Testament, is if in this passage you grabbed onto, you could grab onto a thread that here's a thread of the story and you pulled on it, it would move things all the way through the Old Testament and into eternity. 
a plan that was from long ago. You pull it and everything moves because it's all connected. It's one story. What do you think the Jews are saying? No, it isn't. (laughs) No, it isn't. You can't use his name. You can't say that our God is that God. No, it isn't. That we disagree. It's hard to have our idols torn down, isn't it? It's hard to admit when you're wrong. Peter says, you thought you were following and worshiping God, even in the way you killed Jesus. Look at these actions described here. He holds nothing back. You delivered over, you denied the holy and righteous one. You asked for a murderer, you killed the author of life. Is Peter just speaking to this crowd? Nope. Who else is he speaking to? Me. You. Every person in the human race is to hear this. Wait a minute. You're telling me I'm, in, I'm complicit in the death of Jesus? That's what scripture tells us. We're a part of it. We're included. He dies instead of us, because of us, and for us. By spiritual DNA, I inherit fallen condition that started all the way back in the Garden of Eden. I am an accomplice. Chad Ellenberg, I am an accomplice to the murder of the author of life. I am the one who denied him. I am the one who handed him over and I asked for a murderer. Wait a minute. That last one doesn't fit though. How? Something I missed. All these years. Anybody seen the Passion movie? Okay, you have an image of Barabbas in your mind when he gets released? He's exactly as we picture him. He actually does that. He like sticks his tongue out and kind of scares everybody. Everybody's like, it's Barabbas. If you dig in a little bit, you realize that Barabbas had a first name. You know what it was? Jesus. Do you want... Jesus Barabbas or Jesus the Nazarene? Give us Jesus Barabbas. Why? Not because he's creepy or some sinister guy who's been murdering people left and right. Barabbas, historians believe, was a revolutionary. He was a zealot. He was a part of the movement to overthrow the Roman government. What did all Jews want their Messiah to do? Kill our enemies. Kill them. Yet Jesus preached a counter-revolutionary message. Turn the other cheek. Pray for your enemy. Love them. Go the extra mile for the stranger. Forgive someone how many times, Jesus? Up to 70 times seven. That was Jesus' way of saying infinitely. (coughs) Forgive them. No, we want to destroy our enemies. What's Peter telling them and what is he telling us? You picked the wrong Jesus. You picked the wrong Jesus. Jesus came to obliterate and destroy sin and death, not our enemies. If we've given the same opportunity, we do the same thing. We craft a Jesus that fits our needs for this time and place, and we reject the Jesus that meets our needs for now and eternity. Now, you may disagree with me. I'm getting used to it. 
And that honestly is what church is for. Church is for us to come in here and not where we're all like, oh yeah, we're all good. Nobody needs anything here. We're good. Just say everything. Everybody already knows. No, we come. I open God's word every week because I want to be changed because I'm still thinking things that aren't right. So if you disagree, do it. Do it with gusto, but bring it to Jesus and say, what do you think? I think he's wacko, Lord. But what do you think? I think he would tell you, yeah, you've, you've created in ways, maybe not whole cloth, but in certain ways you have created an image of me with certain situations and certain people. You're not seeing everything. Because would I say, are there areas that Jesus clearly models like praying for your enemies, like forgiving them that I don't like? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do I know that it's still him though? Yes. Yes. Would I prefer Jesus just to swoop in and almost like he could just put a, a like a, a red light above the heads of every person that I don't like and that's an enemy and that, that doesn't know him and just like come back right now and just wipe them out, Lord. And then we can all just be like, see, we told you. Yeah, I'm giving you an inside look into the times where I do the same thing. And the Lord says, no, that's not me. That's not how I move. You've traded in, you've picked the wrong Jesus. Here's the amazing part, verse 15. He knew you would do this. He knew you would do this before you were born. He says in verse 15, God raised him from the dead anyway. This is what we're witnessing. His name, faith in his name, the faith that is through Jesus is what is key. Even though you've denied, delivered over, even killed God, he in a mysterious and beautiful way planned it all along to die for you, to rise from the dead, to defeat sin and death. It isn't earned. It's in spite of Chad. It's in spite of us. Do you know that Jesus' very name, when the angels gave it to Mary and Joseph, what does it mean? He shall save his people from their sins. All along, that's what he would do. You would reject. He knew it. He was coming anyway. Even though we've picked the wrong Jesus, the right one still came, still died, still rose again anyway. So what should we do? Last few verses. Now, brothers, verse 17. I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he made it happen. He thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore. Turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. He's talking about Jesus. You shall listen to him and whatever he tells you. Talking about Jesus. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to him shall be destroyed. He's talking about Jesus. And all the prophets have spoken. From Samuel and those who came after him, they also proclaim these days, you were the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. 
I noticed a tone change in Peter here. He went from, you killed the author of life to, I know you acted in ignorance. I know. I get it. Me too. I know you acted in ignorance. What do we see? The gentleness of Jesus. Jesus can be gentle and tough at the same time. That's, that's him. Tough love. I know you acting in ignorance is a lot different from saying, you're going to burn in hell because of this, isn't it? Not that that may not be a true statement. It could be a true statement for sure. You don't know him. He just said it. You'll be destroyed if you reject him over and over. But he's gentle. It's important for us to know when to do that. Sometimes tough love and hard truth is important. But sometimes when Jesus is softening a heart, what they need is for us to come alongside them and put our arm around them, metaphorically or real, and to say, I get it. And he's not going to ask you to do anything that he won't move in your heart to be able to do it. That's the promise from Scripture. God won't ask you to do anything that he's not willing to give you everything to accomplish it. He doesn't leave it there, though. He doesn't just say, oh, I know you acted in ignorance. It's okay, though. God loves you. All done. Nope. He has more tough love things to say. He actually goes after their Old Testament. He goes after their Bible. Because you know why? They think the Old Testament says zip about Jesus. Not a word. And here Peter just says, nope. Actually, all of it. Verse 18, what God foretold by the mouth of a few, all, all the prophets. And not just that there's going to be this guy named Jesus, that he would what? Suffer. He would die. All of them? Really? He makes the connection. It is all. Every word. Jesus affirmed this. Luke 24, two guys getting out of town. Don't want to follow anymore. Jesus is dead. Jesus shows up with them. And what does he do? Gives them the best sermon in the world. Explains the Old Testament to them and how all of it is about him. Jesus to the Pharisees. You search the scriptures because you think in them that you find life, but you don't know that they're all about me. He connects it. Peter is just picking up the same baton. I'm running with it, Jesus. Finally, verse 19, he gives them an answer because they're thinking, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Verse 19, repent, therefore. I love this verse. It's just beautiful. Turn that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. What is repentance? Very simple. Here is me staring at myself, other people, philosophies in life. I can do this. I can get through this on my own. I'm going to do it. It is turning from that and turning to Jesus. And we have this picture, and I grew up in the South, and so I've heard my fair share of, repent! Okay, the guy on the sidewalk with the flames on his banner. You're gonna burn, you're gonna be able to repent. And you're just like, yeah, I'm not going to your church. <laughs> but it just means, uh, yeah, I think I wanna turn. What's he saying? It's always been Jesus. It's not a new plan. Same plan. It's always been Jesus. And I think he would say this to us today. There's still time. There's still time to turn to him. I am moved by pictures and art. And I saw this one and I thought about it. And I was like, huh. I think they were walking along, all three sheep. 
together? And the one guy just said, and they got forward and they're like, what are you doing, Fred? <laughs> and he said, I'm, I'm done with this. I can't do this anymore. I can't do it anymore. I'm dying. It's hopeless. I'm turning to Christ. I'm turning to Jesus. Jesus, always the plan, Revelation 13, 8. He is the lamb slain 33 AD? Nope. Before the foundation of the world. Before the first blade of grass. Before the first piece of rough bark that you could rub with your hands. Before the first scent of pine in a forest. The lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So you may say, and we're about to give you an opportunity here. You may say, I don't know. I mean, I'm tracking. I definitely feel that place of, ugh, for sure. I stare and I'm looking for life hacks. I'm always trying to find, and I'm probably have created some image of Christ, but I don't know if I can turn completely to him. I don't think I have the ability to do that. And scripture would actually agree with you. Is it possible to do this on your own? No. Without help, toast all of us. But, and Peter wants to make sure you hear it. Look at verse 26. God knew this. So he raised him. He sent him to bless you and to turn you. That's great hope. It isn't turn, turn, make up your mind and turn. It's I'm here and I'm going to give you the ability and the power to turn. All you got to do is hands off, hands off. I got the car, I'm driving, I got the engine. It will get you where you need to go. Just hands off, surrender. God raised him. God sent him to bless you and to turn you. I love that, from wickedness. He sent him to turn you. Can God do that? Can God turn my heart? You tell me. You show me today. You show us. If he's moving, yeah, if he's moving in your heart today, then when we start worship, you stand up, you walk back there, and you tell somebody, I'm here. I want to do this. And they're going to talk to you about your connection and relationship with Jesus. And then when you come up here, and I did this first service, I'm going to do it again. I want you to imagine that there's somebody standing right here, right here, hand on your shoulder, and it is the living Christ who is saying, let's go. <laughs> and he will be the first to cheer. Do I believe in the supernatural and that the supernatural bleeds in to the natural? Sometimes you better believe I do. A dear friend, Cindy Bouch this week was telling our senior leadership team of a time with the Lord this week where he was not just in her mind present, but she could sense a physical presence in the room. The living Savior, angels surrounding her house. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how he does that, but all, you know what I thought about when she told me? I was like, I want that. <laughs> I want that, Lord. Every night before I go to sleep, I ask the Lord, you're free to speak with me in my dreams. My dreams are just 
so all over the place. I can't ever remember them. I just feel like I've been on some crazy ride at a museum fairground dungeon. I don't even know what's going on. But I'm asking, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me through your words. Speak to me through conversations, relationships. Speak to me now. Can God turn a heart? You tell us today. You show us. That said, if it's me manipulating you, don't you dare. Don't you dare get up. If it's the Spirit of God, and one of the ways I told first service, I have always heard a lot of times is things get really loud in here. They get really loud. And sometimes your heart like, go, 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 go. And, you're, and the more you argue with yourself, you're like, nope, 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 nope. The Lord's like, yes, yes, yes. So if he's asking you today, just be obedient. We have everything you need from a practical standpoint. He has everything you need from a spiritual standpoint. Okay? Worship team, come on up. Let me pray for us. And don't wait. If you know, you know. Just get back there. Lord, we love you. Uh, we thank you for, I just love the simple truth of this guy standing here with a look of joy on his face. And well, I'm certainly not going anywhere else because this is where the life I found is with these people. And if it's connected to this Jesus, I'll take him. Lord, a public witness that caused a lot of people to run and gave Peter an opportunity to say, hey, maybe you too, repent, turn, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Lord, I think that's um, old way to say, he's everything you need. He loves you with an everlasting love, purchased you. He lived the life you should have lived he died even though you were responsible. Grace flowed down and covered me. God, we just ask, let me ask right now, Lord Jesus, let grace flow down and cover us right now. Let your spirit move, Lord, would you speak? You're really good at this. We're not, but you can change the human heart. You can transform us. And God, we are convinced, we believe what the scripture says that you were sent not just as a model, not just as an example, but there's actual power in the life, death, resurrection, ascension, and return of Jesus Christ. And God, that power is available to us today. And so Lord, would you show that today in the response of sweet people here? We trust your move, Lord. Uh, we give this time to you. Amen. So we'll do this. And uh, if, once I sense there's a lull, I'll come up and uh, we'll will depart. Uh, sometimes it gets moving a little further. And so if you have to go and get your kiddos, if you've got somewhere to be lunch, we're not going to be like, oh, look at those non-spiritual people. Okay. We understand. We leave a little more time. I try to get done earlier. So I'm done like about 10 minutes earlier, but it, it could go longer. It's okay. If you need to go, no big deal. Uh, everybody else that is able to stay, one, because maybe you're supposed to get baptized, but two, cheer. Sing loud and cheer when they uh, come up out of the water. So let's stand. Let's worship together.